Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Ready for the Word of God tonight? Come on, if you love the Word of God, why don't you stand on your feet all across this room? We're going to honour God's Word tonight. Acts chapter 1, verse number 4 and 5 says this. should be on the screen behind me so you can follow along. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Someone say, wait. Turn your day and say, wait. Wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you. Someone say, you. Turn to your neighbor and say, He's talking to you. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Man, verse 5 does my soul well. I'm just going to read it again. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The title of uh, this message tonight, the, the area I feel the Holy Ghost is highlighting to us as Nations Church 5pm service is simply this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And my belief and my prayer tonight is that this would not just be a theology around baptism. This would not just be an understanding of the Holy Spirit, but that this would be an invitation to experience Him. This isn't a spectate type of night. This is a participate moment. And if you're hungry, you might have come into this place with anxiety. You might be in this place literally with chronic depression and who knows what's going on in your world. There might be sickness. There might be financial struggles you're, you're dealing with. There might just be burdens. But I can tell you this, if you're in this room tonight, it's because God has something for you. And I want to encourage us I know I'm, I'm 27 years old, I'm young, but I'm not even here just to talk. I'm here because I want more of God too. Let's not approach God tonight just to try and understand a new idea. Let's come to experience more of what He has for us. One last time, every individual from the front to the back, left and right, just lift your hands high to God. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, not just for a proclamation of the Gospel, not just for a proclamation of power, not just for a proclamation of Pentecost, but I ask in this room tonight for a demonstration of the Gospel, a demonstration of power and a demonstration of Pentecost. Like you did in Acts chapter 2. Would you come and do it again? And we are expectant for this. We're hungry, our hearts are open. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. One last time, give Jesus a mighty clap of praise. Come on. Give a shout of praise to God. You can take your seat. Thank you so much. Worship, give it up for the band. You guys are amazing. Carrying something special tonight. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to start tonight by sharing a story of the time I was first baptized with the Holy Ghost. I remember I grew up in this church. I, I grew up in Nations Youth Ministry. And uh, when I was about 11 years old, I was already attending youth ministry. And there was this one Friday night that our youth ministry had night 
of fire. Who's ever been to a night of fire before, you know? Let's go. You know, if, if, you, if you grew up in church in the early 2000s, your youth ministry was probably something like Radicate or something like, you know, like crazy name. But Night of Fires, that was where we just went after encounter. We went after the Holy Spirit. So I'll never forget as a young guy down the front altar being prayed for, for the fire of God. I don't really understand everything. I don't really know what's going on. But as they're praying, I just start speaking in this other language. I didn't even know what was going on. And to be honest, it wasn't even very impressive. What it sounded like was la, 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 da, ba, la, da, ba, la, da, ba, la, da, ba. I was like, what is going on right now? If I'm totally honest, I'm like, man, I, I thought this would be more spiritual. I thought this, would, I thought God would like take control of my body, you know, I'd be on the floor, ra, da, 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 you know, I just, but it, it just kind of felt like a normal sort of experience. And I remember one of my leaders coming up after the service and was like, hey, how'd you go tonight? I was like, yeah, nah, good. In fact, my, my leader's name was Peter Jell. Peter, you here? I saw you walking around before. Where's Peter? Yeah, give me a wave. Give it up for Peter Jell. What a mighty man of God. Love you, bro. Peter came up to me. And he said, oh man, you know, did you pray in tongues? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. And he was like, how was it? And I was like, oh, you know, amazing, bro. Best thing ever. And he was like, bro, when I started praying in tongues, I really doubted whether it was me or God. And I was like, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> and he was like, you know what I did is I had a leader speak to me and they just challenged me just to keep on praying. And I was like, okay, you know what, bro, I'm gonna do that. Thank goodness for the wisdom of godly men, amen. And so I just decided, you know, I'm just gonna stay in faith. I'm gonna keep believing. And then the next week I find myself back at Nations Youth Ministry down the front altar because how many of you know attending youth ministry is not once a term, it's every week. Hello, somebody. Let's go. Just need to sneak that in for our teenagers in the house. Uh, and so I was down the altar. It wasn't even an altar call. It was the start of the service. And this thought comes into my mind, just start speaking in tongues. And so I was like, okay, I'll just give it a go. And so I just opened my mouth and, uh, and I kid you not, as I start to speak, this fire starts to burn inside of my heart. And it felt like a river of liquid fire started to bubble up, bubble up and started to flow through my mouth to the point where it was no longer me praying. It wasn't me speaking. There was someone else praying through me in that moment. And the fire of God filled my whole entire being and the Spirit of God totally rocked up in my life that night. That moment has radically changed me because the baptism of the Spirit has changed my life. It wasn't necessarily the moment of being filled that changed my life. But after that moment, what happened? Because the baptism of the Spirit changes us forever. The baptism of the Spirit changes our perspective. It changes our desire. I remember being at a high school years later and I remember we had a guest speaker for the morning, Pastor Blake Young, aka Young Chosen. Hello, somebody. Shorty, you're the baddest. <laughs> I love that people remember that song. And so we had him come into a high school. Pastor Shannon was the high school's coordinator. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Blake was running late because there's like a crash on the freeway or something. And so Shannon was like, hey, Matt, I'd love for you to prep your testimony. If, if Pastor Blake can't make it in time, I'd love for you to get up and you to share and you do a, a, a salvation appeal. Is that cool? And I was like, Pastor Shannon, yep, 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 would love to. But in my heart, I was like, 
nope, 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 I don't want to. I was terrified. And so I did the only thing I knew how to do. I went to the boys' toilet and I just started to pray. I started to call upon the Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you give me the words? Holy Spirit, would you come upon me? Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Oh, da, 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 ba, sure. I started to pray in tongues in the public bathroom. Holy Spirit, would you take over? Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Would you save someone today? I started to intercede, you know. I started to get passionate. I started like marching around, you know what I'm talking about? You get your hanky out, shaking it around, whatever it takes to stir faith, right? Uh, you know, someone would come in because they need the toilet. So I'd be like, shut up. They'd leave and they were, oh, Jesus, I've been praying. You know, I just stir my faith, stir my faith. And I'll never forget. I'm like 10 feet tall by this point. I've been praying in tongues. I've been, you know, stirring myself up in the Holy Spirit. And I leave the bathroom. I'm like, let's go, bro. Let's get this. And there's Pastor Blake just arrived. And I was like, ah, come on. I just prayed for like 30 minutes, which was a long time back then. And I'll never forget Pastor Blake. He preached, did his thing. He's so cool. Everyone loves him. I couldn't have done that. He rapped. And I remember standing there as he's sharing his testimony. And after he's done, I just see the kid next to me. And I just feel to ask him, like, hey, bro, what did you think about what Pastor Blake was sharing? And he was like, oh, yeah, no, it's pretty good, pretty good. I was like, oh, bro, do you believe in Jesus? And he's like, um, nah, not really, man. I was like, oh, well, do you want to? He was like, yeah, yeah, I would like that. How, how, how can I do that? And I was like, bro, it's super simple. We can, we can just say a prayer right here and now. I can even lead you in it. You can invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you like that? And he's like, yeah, I would like that. So right there and then, I lead him through the salvation prayer. He accepts Jesus Christ as a 14 years old on a Wednesday morning, gets born. I don't know if you guys realize, he gets born again on a Wednesday. He gets snatched from hell and saved into heaven. Come on, God moved. But can I tell you, if it wasn't for the baptism of the Holy Ghost in my life, I don't think I would have had the awareness. I don't think I would have had the faith. I don't think I would have even seen the opportunity. Because the baptism of the Spirit comes upon us for us to be a witness to our world. The Holy Spirit baptizes us, fills us, comes upon us so that we can best witness to our world. In fact, the word baptism is the Greek word baptizo. Everyone say baptizo. Say it in an Italian accent, baptizo. It's a Greek word, not Italian, but baptizo. And it, it means this, properly to submerge, hence baptize, to immerse, literally dip under. In the same way, when you are baptized in water, you get fully submerged under that water and you come out as a symbolic at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a sprinkle of God's presence. It's not a touch. It's a full submersion in the person, in the pre and in the power of God. Just like a cucumber gets baptized into vinegar. Come on, somebody. It, gets, it stays there. God does a work in its DNA. And when you pull that thing out, it's no longer a cucumber. It's now a pickle. It is totally transformed. It is chemically changed. Never tastes the same again. Total different purpose. That's what the baptism of the Spirit is for you and I. We've got too many half-pickled Christians. Where the, the, the feet, you know, they're pickled, but the top half of them, that's in control. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I'm being silly. But the truth is, 
The baptism of the Spirit is a full immersion in God's presence. And I want to give you three keys tonight on what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is not going to be a theological masterclass on the 21 distinctions of Pentecostal theology and how to apply that to your modern life. No, no, this is just a few thoughts and a few keys because the goal of tonight is not information, it's impartation. At the end of this service, there's going to be an opportunity. We're going to open this altar. And can I tell you, if you're desperate for God, if you're hungry for God, He's going to touch you tonight. He's going to meet you at the point of, you can walk out never the same again. But before we get to that point, I want to give you just a couple of thoughts around what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit to help us understand and to prepare our hearts for what God wants to do. Is this okay so far? Point number one about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit does not save you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for salvation. The purpose of the baptism is not for salvation in the same way that, sorry, that was the wrong point. (laughs) See, what I'm saying tonight, you might say, well, Matt, you're saying I can get to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? 100% you can. You can also get home without your car tonight. You can leave it in the car park. And you can go a long, more difficult way there. But why would you when your car is sitting there? See, the baptism of the Spirit does not save us. In fact, if you are a Christian in this house, if you confess Christ with your mouth, if you've given your life to Jesus, you already have the Holy Spirit. In the same way, it is impossible to look at the sun and separate heat, light, and the sun. It's the same with our God. Our God is three in one. And so when you get one, you get them all. Jesus put it this way, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because you can't have Jesus without the Father. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you can't have salvation without the Holy Spirit. It's all included. You cannot separate the two. Even Jesus Himself said, no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws them. How has He joined them? By the Holy Spirit. And so if you're in this place tonight, it's because the Holy Ghost is already at work in your life. If you believe in Jesus, it's because you've already heard His voice. If you confess Him as Lord, it's because you've already responded to Him. 1 John 4 verse 15 puts it this way. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. God the Holy Spirit lives inside of every single person that confesses Jesus as Lord. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 puts it this way, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you're in this place and maybe the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been a bit of a a difficulty for you because it's made an us and them mentality and it's separated you. Maybe it's made you feel like a second class citizen. I'm here to tell you today that you have the Holy Ghost in your life, that He is in you, He loves you and He is with you right now. See, the Holy Spirit comes in us for us, but He comes upon us for our world. That there is actually a second experience to be had when it comes to the baptism. I love how the Bible records it in John chapter 20. It says this in verse number 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace with you, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, verse 22, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit then, yes or no? He said, receive. How many of you know when Jesus says something, it's done? 
He says, receive, and He blows on them. That was the moment they got born again, baby. That was the moment. What happened to you when you believe in Jesus? The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside. You get born again. You get a new nature. You get a new identity. He breathes upon you. But then we turn the pages of our Bible to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we've got the book of John saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And then we've got Acts chapter one saying, wait for the baptism of the Spirit. The same group of disciples that in one passage he said to receive, in another passage he told to wait. The reason is because there is a difference between receiving the gift of salvation and experiencing the baptism of the Spirit. And it's not just for some, it's for everyone. Point number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit does not save you. He you are saved by only faith in Jesus Christ. You are saved by believing in Him as your Lord. He died on the cross for you. He rose again so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. The Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you the moment you believe. But He comes upon you when you're baptized to equip you with power for your world. Which brings me to point number two. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse number eight, taste and see, taste and see. How many of you know these are experiential words? Taste, it doesn't say Think and understand. Says taste and see. So you're gonna run into a lot of trouble if your theology does not tolerate experience. I'm gonna go a whole level further with this and say it is impossible for you to obey the Bible if there is not an allowance of experience in your life. Because the same God that told Timothy to contend for the faith and to stand firm in the faith was the same God that spoke to the Ephesus church saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In order to obey the Bible, there must be a tolerance of experience. Jesus said in John chapter seven, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and let him drink freely. And as it is written about him, rivers of living water will flow from his belly. Jesus doesn't say, come to me and think. He doesn't say, come to me. He says, come to me and drink. Drinking is an experience. Tasting and seeing is an experience. Being filled is an experience. And I get it. We do not build our life of experiences. If you do that, it is a very dangerous place. In fact, the Bible shows us our foundation is Jesus Christ and His Word. That's our foundation. But can I tell you, on the foundation of Christ and His Word, there is allowance and tolerance for experiences with God that sometimes even challenge the religious mindset within us. We don't live by experiences, but we still have them. Paul says to the church in Rome, the kingdom of God's not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness in being in right standing with God, the peace of God in your heart, the joy of the Lord. How many of you know peace and joy are emotions? According to Paul in Romans, two-thirds of the kingdom's experiential. But so often we like to stay in the realm of safety. 
We like to stay in the third that we can control. We like to stay in the third we can understand because we feel, I guess, at ease when we know what's going to happen and I understand and I get it. It's scary when we release control. But can I tell you, I just sense in my spirit tonight, God is drawing people out tonight. He's drawing you beyond where you've gone. He's drawing you beyond what you've seen. He's drawing you to taste, to drink, to experience the presence of God tonight. Just like the disciples on the boat, Jesus called out and they thought it was a ghost. And so Peter says, if that's you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, yes, come. How many of you know Peter had to make a decision? He could stay where he's always been. He was a fisherman. He, he was familiar with those wooden planks. He'd sailed the seas before. He's been in a storm. You know what he's never done? He's never gotten outside of the boat and walked on water to Jesus. But I just sense prophetically tonight, there is a walking on water moment for you. Beyond where you've been, beyond what you've seen, there is a permission from Jesus to get outside of where you've gone, begin to do something you've never done before and experience God in a way you've never experienced Him before. Jesus is waiting for you on the water. And so many of us like the idea of Jesus coming over to our boat, taking us by the hand, helping us over the banister. Come on, come with me, I'll show you. Jesus doesn't do that. He stays on the water and makes Peter come to Him. So often we're like, oh, if God wants to touch me, He can come get me. I'm telling you tonight, tonight's not the night to sit back and give it up to God. Tonight's the night to press in and say, God, I'm here, I'm hungry, and I'm willing to get outside of where I've gone before. Point number one, the baptism of the Spirit doesn't save you. Point number two, the baptism is an experience. And point number three, you can be filled again. I'd love to invite the worship team to come join me. You can be filled again. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just fill you once. This is not, the baptism of the Spirit isn't to tick a box and get into the baptized club. Yeah, I had that experience. It was 1984. I loved it. It was fantastic. When I got filled with the Holy Ghost in Minnesota. I don't know who this character is, but here we are. But you know, brother, it's been good ever since. Can I tell you? God might have touched you in 1984, but He's got another dose for you today. See, the Bible puts it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know what the Bible doesn't say? Blessed are those who pray in tongues. Blessed are those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessed are those who've had great experiences. No, no, no. Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst because it's only those who are hungry. It's only those who are thirsty that get filled with God. Maybe you've been filled already. Maybe you've never been filled before. My question for you tonight isn't have you been filled? It's are you still hungry? God says in the Bible that He gave the Spirit without limitation. There is unlimited resources in heaven. There is, the Holy Spirit's a big guy. He's not limited. He's not looking at you like, sorry, mate, you've used the quota up for the month. You're gonna have to come back then. I've already touched that person. No, no, no. If there's hunger in you, there's rivers of living water in God. I wanna challenge you to hunger tonight. But how do you say you can be filled again? Where do you get that from? Is that even from the Bible? Is that just from your experience? Well, the Bible says in Acts 2 verse 1, the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, someone say suddenly. 
sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. I love that. It wasn't on some of them, but each of them. There is a personalized anointing from God on its way to you today. Came to rest on each of them. Verse number four. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the birth of the church. The church was not birthed when Jesus rose from the dead. It was birthed when the Holy Ghost descended upon His people. It wasn't birthed at the resurrection. It was birthed in a revival. And I just feel God is trying to get us back there tonight. Back to that upper room. Back to that place of waiting. Back to that place of hungering of tarrying, of saying, God, I know I've had some before, but I want more of you. And we turn the pages of our Bible over from Acts 2, we get to Acts 3, and there's a healing at the gate of beautiful. And Peter preaches, people get saved. Peter and John, they get imprisoned. They get beaten with rods. They get sent back to the disciples. And then we turn the pages to Acts 4. And Acts 4, they're together again. And they're praying and they're thanking God for the opportunity it was to suffer for Christ. And they're asking God to give them boldness. They're asking God to continue to do miracles. They're asking God to give them the boldness to continue to proclaim the Word. And then we pick up the story in Acts 4, verse 31. After, someone say after. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all someone say all they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly they were all filled they who were already filled in Acts 2 find themselves in Acts 4 and they're getting filled again there's two groups of people in this place tonight the first group of people, you're waiting in your Acts 2 upper room because you've never been baptised in the Spirit. You might have come from a more conservative background and maybe this is challenging your mindset. I want to encourage you to open up your heart and lean into God because there is more that God has for you and He wants to sweep it and fill you and baptise you with His power and with the presence of God. But then there's the other group of people are those that you've been filled before, you've been baptised already. I'm here to tell you tonight, you find yourself at an Acts 4 moment. That you might have been filled, but can I tell you, the place is about to shake. The Spirit of God's about to fill. And there is a fresh touch, a fresh anointing, a fresh fire and a fresh filling with your name on it tonight. I want to encourage you to lean in and get hungry. And so bringing this all to a close, I want to quickly share a couple of thoughts on how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we get baptised? with the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad you've asked. Well, point number one is this, get into the right location. The Bible says in Acts 2 verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, they're all together in one place. Someone say one place. I don't know if you know this, but there are positions and locations that are better to encounter God in. And can I tell you tonight, you are already in the right place. The fact you're sitting here, this is the right location. See, that's why we need to be a people that prioritise the gathering of the saints, that prioritise coming together because it's as God could have baptised them in the Holy Spirit in all their separate homes at the same time, but He didn't. Why? Because He's trying to teach us something, that there's incredible value in coming together, in coming into unity and praying and hungering together. Point number one, 
Get into the right location. Point number two, do the right thing in the right location. How many of you know you can be in the right location and still do the wrong thing? You can die of hunger sitting next to a fridge full of food because the presence of food doesn't satisfy. It's the filling of food. You can die of thirst next to a water fountain because it's not getting water on your head or getting water on your feet that quenches you. It's drinking water that satisfies you. I'm here to tell you tonight, you're already in the right location. Why not do the right thing in this location? And can I tell you, the right thing is to open up your heart and to hunger and to cry out and say, Jesus, would you come? Jesus, would you fill me? Jesus, would you pour your glory out? I want more. The Bible is filled of stories of people that found themselves in the right location but did not do the right thing. The woman with the issue of blood, everyone was touching Jesus. They were all in the right location, but she did the right thing. And she approached Him in humility. She approached Him in expectation. She approached Him in hunger to the point that when she touched the hem of His rope, power went out and she was healed. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus was walking by. He cried out, Oh, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. And the people told him to be quiet. But I love his response. He only shouted aloud, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus hears him and calls him to come. What do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, I want to see. Instantly he receives his sight. How many other blind people were there that day? How many other sick people were there? How many other needs were there? Why? Because God knows all needs. Jesus knows all needs. But the Bible is teaching us, although He knows your need, He responds to your hunger. He responds to your desperation. Don't say, oh, God can touch me if He wants. Do you know you can touch God if you want? Don't say, God, He knows where to find me. That's great that He knows where to find you. But do you know where to find Him? Do you know how to get deep in prayer and get on your knees in the secret place and say, God, I want to take hold of the hem of your robe. Tonight is not the night to spectate. Tonight is the night to participate. Point number one, get in the right location. Number two, do the right thing in that location. And number three, get your heart right with God. One of the biggest preventions I've experienced and seen to people being baptised in the Holy Spirit is unrepentant sin in our hearts. Simon the sorcerer asked to buy the Holy Spirit with money because he wanted to perform and look cool. He wanted to sell it to other people. Peter rebuked him and said, may your money perish with you for thinking God's gift could be bought. But then Peter says this in Acts chapter 8, 21. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. The thing that disqualified Simon from what everyone else was experiencing that day was the condition of his heart. That although he was in the right location, his heart was so filled with greed, filled with wrong motive that it excluded him from God's outpouring. Peter put it this way on the day of Pentecost, repent of your sins and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is the roadmap into revival. Repentance is the pathway into His presence. 
And maybe you're in a place tonight and there's something that you know is wrestling on your conscience. It's a sin habit or maybe something, you might have even been a comment you made to your spouse today. It could be something small. It could be something great. One of the best things you can do to position yourself for an infilling of the Holy Spirit is to get your heart right with God and not be so proud and not be so, you know, thinking you know it all together to not recognise, God, I have need. God, I'm sorry. God, I need You. The Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken and contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart He will not despise. When you come to God with brokenness and contriteness and repentance, He will not despise that sacrifice. In fact, He leans into it. The Bible says He's close to the brokenhearted. And all it takes is a moment to repent. Repentance is not an arduous journey back to God. It's a change of your heart. Where in a moment you say, God, I confess, I, I said that to my coworker, I'm sorry. Bang, you are clean in a moment. Because the Bible says if you confess your sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and, someone say and, cleanse you of unrighteousness. Jesus not only forgives you so you go to heaven, He cleanses you so your heart is right now. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church Podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.